welcome to another episode of the O3C podcast, coming to you from us chaps at O3C Games. We are two men, Jonathan, me, that, Chris. You, me, you, me, you. We are chatting all about video games. And our love for And our love for each other. Them and one another. Announcement! Announcement! It's that time again where we ask you to check out o3c.games slash support because at that very link there are links onwards to Patreon, links onwards to a one-off PayPal donation, both of which help support the podcast financially. There are also myriad links that will assist you in sharing onwards the stuff that we do, the website, the podcast, there's bits and pieces on YouTube, aren't there? There's a whole host of things for you to get your teeth stuck into and then share so other people can have a bite as well. We're generous lads, though. If you do give us a bit of financial support, we give you some stuff back. And that's all on the Patreon. You can find it there. Literally no point in me saying it here. Because you can check it out in your own time. And we'd appreciate that. Christopher Dow, we're back. Hello. We had a play date last week, didn't we? We did. What did we play? We played Snack and Sasquatches. Yeah, how were they? They were not too bad and quite interesting, but tough to get your noggin round, respectively. Yeah, that was basically the gist of it. There'll be another playdate update next week where we're going to talk about some Battleships game and then another thing about a forest fire that's like a spin-off from Firewatch. God knows. I haven't played them yet, but I will by next week. But now it's time for an interim episode where we are going to be discussing... What are you buying? What are you playing? What have you played this week, Jonathan Dunn? Hey, I've played Resident Evil 4. Have you finished Resident Evil 4 now? I have finished Resident Evil 4. Was it good? It was fantastic from start (laughs) to finish, and I have dove straight in to play New Game Plus, complete with some ridiculous costume unlocks for Leon, so he's now dressed up in a 1920s-style black pinstripe suit and a white chiffon scarf, uh, coupled with an eye patch, which is a lot of fun. And it's obviously really fun how stupidly overpowered you are when you restart the game, you know, obviously with your end game loadout and upgrades all intact. It's, it's just a it's, a, it's a laugh. And now I'm taking my time even more than I did the first time, just really hunting down the treasures and trying to find all the secrets, which is, yeah, it's just great fun because I'm trying to save up to buy the infinite rocket launcher that the merchant is now selling because that would be, I mean, a literal blast. What? two million pesos i'd need for that bastard so uh yeah we'll see if i can do it in this run but it might need to wait for new a new game, game plus, plus plus maybe maybe even though like resident evil 4 does do the familiar thing of turning a lot more action heavy in the latter third of the game it's all just so well designed and because of how like extra tight the gameplay is now certainly for the combat it's a lot of fun and there's still plenty of tense smaller moments in the third area of the game on the island especially like creeping around the laboratory in complete darkness using the thermal imaging scope on your rifle to target the parasites growing deep inside the enemies here it's oh it's good it's so much fun and the end game is suitably daft and overblown and thankfully now there's not a horrendously creepy exchange between leon and ashley right at the very end so they not only escape with their lives but their dignity. <laughs> the mercenaries mode has now been added into the game uh, in a recent patch update thing, which a lot of people were looking forward to. And I think they're going to continue to release maybe content updates for that because 
I think I read that there's more areas coming and other characters you can play as and things like that. I watched a little run on YouTube of somebody playing as Krauser, one of the... Uh, Knife Man. Uh, the, yes, yes, Mr. Knifeman, one of the villains of the piece. And like one of the things you can do is you can activate like a, a hyper mode where I had a quick go playing as Leon and it, I think it just doubles your points and your power for like 30 seconds. But if you go into that mode as Krauser, then you bust out into your fully parasited form that you do when you're fighting him in the game and like your arms just transform into giant claws and then you can just carve your way through things that looked very cool i did have a very very quick go just at the first village area with leon and it's obviously like really really well made and objectively a lot of fun but i just don't like it that much mercenaries mode will probably just sit dormant on the menu screen i don't really know what's happening with the assignment ada mode that was in I can't remember if it was in the original GameCube game or whether or not that was something that was added in for the PS2 release. I've definitely seen it or played a bit of it. I think that must have been when I played Resident Evil 4 HD or something on the Switch. Um, And you you play as Ada Wong infiltrating the island doing something. I I can't remember. So yeah, I don't know if that's coming or if it's being expanded into something else. I mean, I'd love to see that. If for nothing else, then just to shut the fucking trolls up who have been harassing the Ada Wong voice actor online. She was recast for the remake. I mean, obviously, all abuse has zero warrant, and yeah. it's it's horrible to see that sort of behaviour. She's done. I mean, she's absolutely fine voicing Ada. It's great that they've actually got somebody of Asian heritage playing an Asian character, and much like Ashley, the awfully reductive sexual overtones of the original character have rightfully been stamped out so i guess probably the fat spotty nerds probably find it more of a challenging wank now that they see a female (laughs) character with some actual character autonomy is terrible for wanking (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway it's a phenomenal game and i'll be keeping hold of my copy for a fair while yet as i replay it on ascending difficulties through new game plusing until i've beaten it on professional mode which i'd like to be able to do and i mean there are literally hundreds of challenges in the game and achievements and things to unlock so there's always going to be something to aim for in how i'm attempting a new playthrough similarly to metroid prime remastered i'll find it difficult to consider something like this for game of the year because it's obviously building on a 10 out of 10 foundation. Yeah. But there's no doubt that Resident Evil 4 and Metroid Prime are still 10 out of 10 masterpieces by modern standards in these new editions. Just absolutely cracking stuff. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. What have you played this week? Well, I'll give you my Evercade update first because I'm still oh, yeah. playing through a variety of things across different cartridges. I'm right at the end of Canon now. I think there's only about five or six stages to go. That's about 20 hours in, I think. I was stuck on the same stage for a good while. I'm now making progress again, and the last few battles have been a lot quicker to get through. So I might finish it by the end of my school holiday. My other big finds in the Evercade this week, though, have been some of the entries in the Namco collection, Volume 2, which came out at the very start of the Evercade's life, but has some real bangers on it. And it's a cartridge that has sat on the shelf for a long time because the Namco carts are under a weird license that mean they can't be played on the VS home console Evercade, only handhelds. I don't presume to understand why they're the only cartridges out of almost 40 collections that this applies to. Now, I'm sure there are some weird backroom reasons for the way that individual collections or games or publishers might be approached and licensed. But it did mean that once I started using the VS as my main Evercade machine when I got that, the Namco collections essentially just sat collecting dust because I wasn't using the handheld that much. Now I've got the EXP, I've been far more liberal with handheld play. And lo and behold, a lot of the games put out my Namco 
really good. Mm. They're, they're a good company. A favourite at the moment is Pack Attack, a Pac-Man themed block puzzle game. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of brain power to get good at, but I'm enjoying trying. Like basically each turn you drop little L-shaped groups of either regular blocks, which will clear if lined up in a row, Tetris style, or ghosts. And then every few drops, the L will include a Pac-Man who will travel down the screen gobbling up any ghosts that are connected. But Pac-Man still follows the rules of gravity. So if you've made a little three by three grid of ghosts, Pac-Man will only eat one column down that grid and then all of the ghosts in the bottom horizontal row, if that makes sense. So instead of just zipping across the entire thing like Baku Baku Animal, if you ever played that, he does not do that. He will just drop completely down and, and collect what's at the bottom. It makes a simple game surprisingly complex because you do really have to think carefully about every drop so you're not orphaning blocks or ghosts in such a way that will make them permanently inaccessible because otherwise it's quite easy to just build up the stack and really have no recourse to sort that out. There's a regular score chasing arcade mode, which is a lot of fun, but there's also a nice puzzle mode, like a single player mode where you have limited drops to clear out a set layout of ghosts. And I like it a lot. I've played that for a few hours. It's good fun. The other game on that cartridge I've been really enjoying is called Dragon Spirit on the NES. And I believe it's a port of an arcade game that I've never seen nor heard of it in any context. But essentially, it's just a horizontal shoot 'em up with you controlling a little dragon and then shooting targets either in the air or on the ground by using the A or B buttons. What made this game stand out for me, though, is the way it tries to tell a story, despite being a late 80s shoot 'em up So when you start the game, you have a little intro cutscene that then becomes an unskippable, playable stage and boss. And depending whether you succeed or fail this mini-level, that will impact the colour of your dragon in the main game and the difficulty and some of the interstitial cutscenes. And I was just really surprised that a kind of meat and potato shoot 'em up would do something interesting with storytelling in 1989. <laughs> you know, the game would have been a direct contemporary of something like Bomber Raid, for example. Oh, and as much amazing. as I personally love that game for the particular nostalgia it gives me, I can't lie and say it's anything more than the most vanilla shooting experience you will ever have. <laughs> you know, yeah. It does not do anything different to any other game that anyone was playing at that time. It's just that I played it first and that's why I like it. <laughs> Whereas this, this is something genuinely quite different, I think, for the era and for the time. But yeah, that's kind of the Evercade roundup for the time being. I'm sure I will let you know in the future if anything else pops along that tickles Ooh, yeah. my fancy. I've played some bits and bobs. Of course. I've played some bits and bobs, Chris. Uh, first of all, I dove back into Farmside, the Apple Arcade farming game Ooh, that I was playing a few weeks ago. It did, yes. It got a, a little update with uh, some more missions and quests to do. So that was nice just to dip my toe back into that pool. I noticed as well that the graphics have been given a bit of an update too with what looks to be like a proper dynamic lighting model added Ooh, to the game. Which has just made... Polish? Yeah, it's just made everything look just a bit more solid and round and atmospheric, which is really nice. But, you know, the gameplay elements are still the same, growing, harvesting, crafting, selling, etc. And it's just, yeah, it's just really nice. And I've done this quest line that's been added and I'll continue to keep it on my phone and look out for for future updates. Lovely. I've continued to play Tomb Raider Reloaded on my phone as well. I think the, the balance isn't quite right for, like, the unlocked Netflix version of the game that I'm playing because I'm... I'm making very little progress and it's clear <laughs> the game wants me to pay into the game to get some upgrades to help me get through the harder stages, which well, that's the thing. I, 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 I obviously can't do that. Yeah. So yeah. instead, it's just a bit frustrating, but I'll still dive in and do some of the daily tasks, maybe play, you know, a few of the, the smaller tomb levels, which are just like 10 stages as opposed to the full like 30, 40, 50 stage levels. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just slowly upgrade my gear and make 
granular progress through the game until I get bored of it, really. Yeah. Over on the Switch, I've picked up a couple of games, again, that I already had to entertain me between Dead Cells runs. Firstly, I checked out the latest Booster Pass courses on Mario Kart 8. Oh, they're tasty. It continues to be a phenomenal game with an obese amount of content. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad that they're also creating like brand new tracks as well as remaking the classic tracks and yeah. porting over you know, those really nice real-life location tracks from Mario Kart Tour. I was showing some of these to Minty yesterday and we thought it'd be funny to drive around the Berlin track in one of those absurd Mercedes cars from that DLC, <laughs> uh, because then you sort of fit in with the rest of the traffic. And I remember in that Berlin track, there's also a Berlin wall section. <laughs> uh, and then there's a thwomp in the middle of it, like falling down, simulating like the... The fall of communism. The fall of communism. <laughs> which um, you just don't expect that, but it's there. No. The brand new courses are great as well, especially this new Yoshi's Island course that's in the latest update. It's really charming and lovely. And of course, of course, Birdo is back yeah. as a playable character, Love which it. is shockingly erotic, uh, but even <laughs> more tantalising. <laughs> but even more tantalising is that there are also now five question mark filled spaces on the character roster for other characters to be added in the final two updates that are still to come later this year and i've no idea who they could be it could no. be some returning characters from the other mario kart games like rob the robot from mario Ooh, kart ds yeah or, or the wiggler or pt piranha or something like that could be brand new adjacent characters like they did yeah. with yeah. like link and animal crossing and f-zero's captain falcon to accompany those new courses in that original DLC. So, you know, we could stand to get a, uh, a Metroid course with Samus as a playable character, Not maybe. a bad shout. Not or a bad Kirby shout. could rock up with a Dreamland course. That's quite likely. Or they could go the way of Super Smash Brothers and just have all five characters be sword-wielding Fire Emblem characters. <laughs> so we shall see. But speaking of Kirby, the other game that I played a bit of with Minty was Kirby's Dream Buffet, which I don't think i've mentioned on the pod before no. or if i did it would have been briefly in passing but i have played a bit of it in a few sort of like sessions it's usually just been when i've been showing other people it and i'll play it for half an hour and it's, it's nice but yeah for those not in the know kirby's dream buffet is, is sort of like an online party style game it's not dissimilar to something like fall guys yeah. where you play against a bunch of other people trying to race through obstacle courses or compete in little mini games trying to each collect as many strawberries as possible to come out the overall winner. It's very simple. You just roll around and literally all of the other buttons on the controller just make you jump. But it, it's really nice to look at. Like this whole world is entirely food themed. So you'll be racing around cakes and biscuits and berries and churros and riding up meringues and ice creams and stuff. It's not one to play when you're hungry. I'll say that much. <laughs> but it's a really just a nice happy time and seeing all of these like perfectly round Kirby's getting progressively fatter and rounder over the course of a few rounds of silly fun is just always quite delightful. And as always, it's just great to unlock different hats to wear. Love a hat. We love a hat. Love a hat. I'm really glad that this game isn't a free to play game which it very easily could have been. But equally, like it's only about like 12 or 13 quid. But I think that that price point is a bit off-putting to people grabbing it and just giving it a go because like the servers felt a little sparse. And yeah, yeah I, think it, I think it deserves a bit more love maybe because it it's a good game. And if there was a bit more support and they were sort of rolling out 
seasons like Fall Guys is with like special events and maybe some crossovers and different sort of mini games sort of coming in and out. I think it could be really good fun and it's really nice for party sort of game. You can play two players locally, which is nice. It's a shame you can't do four players locally split screen because I think that would be good. Just a bit of attention and a bit of care. It could be like a really good like little fun party game like Mario Party is or something like that. But yeah, I'd recommend it because it's nice. And it's just really nice and sweet to look at. Literally, sweets everywhere. We've got a pretty disparate selection of games this week. Because yeah. I've also played the first two stages of Marvel's Avengers. Would you believe it? Oh, that, the Square Enix <laughs> That's, one. Yeah, the Square Enix taken the property that apparently everyone hated, if you read online. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hadn't realised there was even a game in there. Because everything I'd seen post-release was just about the online grindy looter shooter part of it. Oh, I and, didn't, and, yeah, I, didn't you and really, I thought yeah. that wasn't really for me. No. But... For some reason, thought I'd give it a go because it's very, very cheap. And if you scratch a little bit deeper, there is a huge prestige story mode, like a triple A AAA style story mode that follows a day, which in the game is like a terrorist attack that results in the collapse of the Avengers for their inadvertent hand in turning thousands of regular citizens into inhumans with their own superpowers. Shit. And that leads to the development of characters like Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Mm. I'm not very far into the thing. Who knows if I have the stamina to really get into it properly, especially when I'm back at work. But it looks really nice on the PlayStation 5. It costs basically nothing from bargain bins up and down the country. We're talking like sub 10 quid, most shops. Yeah. And it feels pretty decent to play once you're in-game and out of kind of the initial endless menus of all the online loot stuff because it's still there. You just need to know where to look to get to the game. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's interesting because for Marvel fans at the very least... This is a different take on familiar characters, mm. even if licensing means that the on-screen representations of Captain America, Thor, Iron Man and Powers are all very much, we have the Avengers at home. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the models and the characterizations all crib violently from the live action <laughs> renditions that we kind of have come to know over the last yeah. decade or so. But they look just slightly off in like a weird homunculus way. <laughs> but it's interesting back, back to of see... Back the spoon, Avengers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting to see a team write for these characters. In the same way, I guess, that comic books have different writers and different story arcs and everything else. It's a slightly different take on things that we half already know. Yeah. So, you know, might be worth a punt if you are a Marvel fan out in the world. Also of note, I think the game has recently made all of its previously paid expansions and cosmetics completely free. Oh, because nice. Square Enix are no longer supporting the game with new content. So they basically said, here's everything. If you want to play it, it's all there. One price. Enjoy it. So if anyone was holding off because of like a fear of missing out on content or because they disagreed with the way it had been monetized, then, you know, your five, six pound bargain bin purchase price, you're now getting everything. So if that is appealing, fill your boots kind of thing. A few other things I have played in fits and starts, but won't dwell on too much. I played a couple hours of Chime, the music puzzle game I've mentioned a few times. I like it a lot. It's very relaxing. Moving on. I reinstalled Super Crate Box on the Steam Deck. Oh, you love that. I do love it. It didn't work originally. I made it work. Now I still love it. Moving on. Cascula diff. <laughs> My brother came over recently and we bashed our heads against a few of the survival challenges in Plants vs. Zombies on the PlayStation 3, just to see if we could get through to the end of the game. We're right near the end. Very tough, but fun. But a proper treat. And something that, you know, I have genuinely enjoyed and played quite a bit this last week. If we move back over to the Switch, I have recently had a few evenings of the lovely Cruising Blast. Aye. And it is hard to really express how much I enjoy it. It's great. It's so good. And it's a disgusting, lurid mess of a game. But one that's just so much fun to be in. 
you know, it really does feel like the arcade has come home. And I've been lucky enough recently to find a few cruising blast cabinets in the wild. And it is such an arcade game that I'm still just shocked it even has a home port to the Switch at all. It's just not the type of things you see anymore. Every race has all sort of 12 competitors end within milliseconds of each other because of the mad rubber banding. So yeah. it never feels like you're that far ahead or that far behind. So it yeah. maintains a level of excitement. Every surface is reflective, meaning that <laughs> yeah. certain parts of the stages are genuinely blinding if you're playing on a bright <laughs> display. Like yeah. I reckon if you're viewing this on an OLED, like a big TV, your eyes are probably going to hurt afterwards. <laughs> the audio mix is all over the place. Like sound effects are too loud. The music's obnoxious. Like you know it was meant for the arcade where it's meant to draw your attention the title music is infectiously terrible every time i put it on georgia comes in and sings along and then she's never sat down and played the game but still loves the song <laughs> you know you can unlock a shark as a car or a fire truck as a car or a dinosaur as a car you can do a wheelie at any time by double pressing the gas button it's just really dumb but it is tremendous fun if you're mm. kind of just needing a little pick me up or you know had a drink, been out. You come back in and think, eh, five minutes of that, that'll really cap the night nicely. Yeah. One evening I had tried to play a few games that all demanded just a bit too much attention or had too many rules to learn if it was a new game. And then I just had this like little click in my head that was like, no, what I need to play is Cruising Blast. And I put it on and it was perhaps the perfect game to pop on for that half an hour. It's just very, very good stuff. I really, really do like it a lot. I went to game the other day to trade in some stuff. Uh, well, just basically just trading Callisto Protocol finally. Yeah. And uh, as always, I sort of have a little look on my shelf. Like, you know, I don't keep many games. I yeah. keep games that I think I'm going to either going to replay or that I just really, really love and are really special to me. And I was looking through my collection and I've still got my copy of Cruising Blast. And I was like, oh, I haven't played it. Maybe I should just trade that in. And I was like, no, I know, I know that there's going to be a moment when that's the thing that I need to play. <laughs> yeah. And I've kept it. It's there. It's sat there alongside Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely insane. In the same tier as The Legend of Zelda, Breath of yeah, the Wild. Absolutely. OPC approved. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, let's be, I mean, like, like you just said, Cruise and Blast ticks a box that none of those games can do. No. In fact, no other game can do on a no. home console. No. Yeah, absolutely extraordinary game. Very special. Did you order a triptych of Metroidvanias, sir? Well, I'm glad you did, because I've played three. Three? Three? Firstly, I continued to chip away at Alwa's Awakening on the Evercade. Oh, yes. Now, you'll be pleased to know, I did actually decide to buy one of the new Evercade EXP models from an online seller, but... I think he's fiddled with it a little bit because it's not really working quite right. One of the buttons is a bit wonky and there's some light bleed on the screen. So whilst I try and sort out a return with that absolute wanker, I've been quite happy just to pick up my original Evercade. Yeah. Which I, th I think actually, I think I still prefer the feel of it over the newer model. I think it's more comfortable in the hand. I think it is because like, I think one of the things obviously with the EXP, obviously the concession they've made for being able to play it rotated so you can yeah. play those vertical arcade games means that the button layouts are just a little strange with like yeah. the start and select buttons being vertical instead of horizontal and being sort of stacked on top of each other and then the menu button sort of squished on top of those. Yeah. It means that the console has a bit of a feel. It just feels like I'm playing it the wrong way round, whichever orientation i'm using yeah uh, because it's trying to do both and that's a bit strange i mean it's probably something that i'll get used to because the improved screen is obviously really really nice and sharp 
It's not an OLED, which I'm realising more and more is a huge trump card for the Switch. Yeah, it really is. Meaning that, like, once again, the Switch is becoming my preferred place to play a game if I have a choice of platforms to pick it up on. Yeah. Despite the Steam Deck, meaning, like, I can play a game in handheld and it literally look better graphically. The depth of the OLED screen still beats that for me. Yeah. But Owl's Awakening, I'm really enjoying sort of exploring that. It's very unhandholdy. You just sort of explore. You look at your map. You see where you haven't been. You go there. Well, no, you can't go there. Oh, can't go there. Oh, I've got a new upgrade. Okay, let me go and try all those dead ends again. And it's just nice. It's just really, really nice. But speaking of the OLED screen, I've been playing a game that it just looks so good on the OLED on the Switch, and that is the game Gatto Roboto. Black and white game, isn't it? Yes, that's Get right. It <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did think that at first in the same yeah. way that you look at obra din being like oh that could run on the play date no it couldn't <laughs> just because it's just because it's one bit doesn't quite yeah. mean it but this is one bit black and white it means it looks absolutely stunning on the oled screen shout out to friend of the podcast casper for recommending this and also a huge congratulations to that man there and his wife on the safe delivery of a lovely bouncing brand new baby boy oh, huge congratulations. congratulations and love and best wishes from us here so gatto roboto the game itself is really really nice you play as a cat in a mech suit it's a pretty standard metroidvania with you finding upgrades and new abilities allowing you to reach new areas beat bosses do tricky platforming you start the game just playing as the little cat before you find your mech suit and i was really surprised just at how nice it felt just to control this cat (laughs) just running flinging yourself around using your claws to run up walls and stuff like that like it instantly felt more cat-like and more fun to control than Stray, <laughs> which <laughs> which I felt was just a bit underwhelming when it came to actually how it felt yeah. to physically play the game. Yeah. And then I was almost a bit disappointed when I found my mech suit because I was like, oh, I just liked being a cat and running around. But fortunately, you can jump in and out of your suit. And in fact, you need to because it's a whole big part of the puzzle solving elements of the, of the game. So you do, you do still get to get your cat on fairly frequently. And it's just a really nicely presented game. It is very simple. So it was important that it got the elements right. And it really, really does. I mean, the upgrades and abilities are fun to use. Platforming is challenging, but not unfair. Boss fights, very challenging. And do sometimes feel like they are verging on being unfair. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I got stuck on one that gave me a lot of grief. It, it didn't sort of feel like I had the space needed to properly manoeuvre my movement and attacks. It was clear what I needed to do, and it felt like it was just making the stage unfair. But in typical Metroid Soulsvania like Borns, uh, after a few failed attempts, I started to identify the boss's attack patterns. And a few attempts later, I'd realised that they weren't unfair at all, just very, very well designed. (laughs) And continuing on, the different sections of the game continue to be really varied and interesting and challenging all the way to the end of the game. It is a very short game. I was told that it was about five hours, but I I finished it in about two and a half hours with 88% completion. That's quick. It's really nice. It's really nice to play and I I may well dive back in and try and 100% it. But yeah, I definitely recommend it for fans of Metrovanias or OLED screens or cats. It's just, yeah, it's really, really good. I will make a very, very quick reference and mention of another Metroidvania, which I haven't got very far into yet, so I'm going to keep it brief, but it's a game called Lone Fungus. Where are you finding these games? Casper. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, generally, I'm on top of stuff, even if it's games I'm not playing. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, I think I heard that name. Well, I saw that on a list somewhere, but... Every week at the moment, you're just like, bing bong, 
the bun bun. And then I go, what's bing bong the bun bun? <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> Do tell. Lone fungus. I believe it's been developed by pretty much this one guy in the most part after a successful Kickstarter campaign a couple of years ago. As I said, it's another one recommended to me by Casper. I've been playing it on the Steam Deck. You play as a lone fungus, a little mushroom fella. And the game is very easily compared to Hollow Knight because of how similar it is. Yeah. You attack and move about in a similar way with a similar looking weapon, using like a downward swipe of your sword to bounce off enemies and obstacles to aid in your traversal. You also get like various charms and abilities to equip in a variety of combinations like you do in Hollow Knight. So you can customize the gameplay to either what you need it to be for a specific section or, you know, just what you prefer. And speaking of customization, something that was really nice to see was a difficulty customization menu appear before you even start the game, giving you full control over the type of challenge the game gives you. Yeah. Like you can choose how much health you have, you can increase or decrease the damage that enemies and bosses do, you can choose to spawn additional platforms to help get around, and it's just nice to see the developer consider the player in a game like this to acknowledge that the audience's experience is more important than the ego of the creator. Yeah. You know, yeah, the game is meant to be challenging and therefore can be enjoyed by people wanting a significant challenge. But if you don't want that or you don't have the skills for that for whatever reason, you are still absolutely welcome to enjoy all the other aspects of this game. And it's just really, really refreshing to see that and to see it more and more in, in other games as well. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't got very far into it, so I can't give too much of a commentary on the game, but it's really nice to look at. It's got very sort of moody, atmospheric pixel art. I'm going to continue to play it and report back. But I will say that it's another game that I absolutely would rather play on the Switch so I could experience it on the OLED screen. <laughs> but a, a Switch port is a, is a dream for the future, apparently, according to the developer. So I'm happy to... I guess I'll slum it on the Steam Deck for now if I have to. Yeah, if I have to. So we'll see how much uh, how much playtime I get because I have actually picked up another game on the, on the Switch, which is the new roguelike game, Have a Nice Death. I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's by uh, one of the original creators of Rayman, and uh, you play as Death. It's a roguelike. It's got similar sort of like action to Dead Cells, but also with like the sort of narrative world building sort of progression that Hades has. And it's meant to be very, very hard, obviously. So far, it's very, very cool. It's very cool. The performance isn't that good on the Switch at the moment. It's fine. It's, it's absolutely fine. But this, again, is an example of something that I know would play better. It would give me a better gaming experience playing it on the Steam Deck. Yeah. But because of the art style and the sort of the black and white sort of nature of it, I'm like, I've got to play that on the OLED. Got it. I've got it. I've got it. And I, you know what? Thanks very much. I will have a very nice death. <laughs> So there we go. That is that is just an assortment of, uh, of of games that we've been playing in the last week. Gosh, it sounds like we've both been on Easter holidays. The amount the amount we both played. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought or thunk it? Next week we will be back with a play date, and we're going to talk about Battleship Godios, and we're going to talk about Forest Burns Up in Smoke, and who knows. I may have played some other things on the play date that I'm going to report back on as well, that I may or may not be really excited to talk about. Cheeky one. In the meantime, you can chat to us on social media at O3C Games on everything. Check out our website, O3C.Games. Check out that support page if you fancy throwing us a few quid saying thanks or just want to share the podcast or you don't really want to, but you do anyway because you're good people. Do it. Please. You can also chat to us individually. I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn at Chaz underscore Hodges still where I reside and uh, yeah let's uh, meet back here same time next week bye bye